Despite being no larger than the state of New Jersey, Israel is a country where all eyes are constantly turned, from the media to politics to religion. The tension is palpable and not to be overlooked. In past generations, investing in turns Israel's existence was more of a given, regardless of one's religious or ethnic background. But today, that has changed, with younger generations no longer holding that same passion, and with many reflecting either apathetic or sometimes even antagonistic views towards the state's need to exist. This is not about us versus them or good versus bad. As someone currently living in Israel, I see the country for what it is, the good, the bad, and the sovereign. <laughs> as the saying goes. So join me, Izzy Sakai, as we go beyond politics and sit down with Jewish and non-Jewish changemakers, thinkers, and fearless leaders to discuss Israel's vital existence in the past, present, and future. Everyone, welcome to another episode of Our Israel Narrative. Very fortunate to be sitting here today with Alex Treman, now as an CEO of JNS, Jewish News Syndicate. And um, I'm just really interested. We got connected through a more interesting way, more, uh, you know, from, I think, prior engagements, you were an award-winning financial maker, if I'm not mistaken. And uh, it's originally how, how I reached out and got in touch with you. And now I know you're kind of in a different world, but still very much on the front lines of uh, speaking out for the Jewish people, for Israel. Um, and just really love to dive in and hear a little bit how we got to where you are today. Um, and if you don't share, you know, fun fact about yourself, or some, something cool that's happened to you in the past few days, just Purim, I don't know. Oh, fun fact about myself, just the past <laughs> few days, I mean, we like to do here double Purim. So I live in Jerusalem, and we celebrate in Jerusalem what's called the Shushan Purim, the second day of Purim. But uh, Purim is such a fun holiday that we make sure to go out of Jerusalem on the first day. So we just had a, a long, long Purim festival, and then... When the second day of Purim is on Friday, so that carries into Shabbat. So you basically extend into like a three-day Purim. Yeah. And uh, I had three days and three barbecues. Oh and uh, But it's really for the kids, you know. So we have five kids, and we just try to have a lot of fun with it. Wow. Amazing. Yeah. Amazing. Still recovering. Still recovering, Slightly. yeah. Okay. <laughs> Amazing. Amazing. So, yeah, do you want to share just a little bit how, how you guys were here today here at, at JNS and a little bit about about the organization and what it stands for and all that. Yeah, sure. I've been writing for JNS as a freelancer for uh, many years, I guess since 2013. I was, uh, it was a very, very small uh, niche uh, syndication service that was sending articles to Jewish newspapers in the United States. And I was filing maybe uh, three, four stories a month. I was the Jerusalem correspondent. Um, and uh, after several years of doing that, the founding editor wanted to go into the uh, dark side of media, which is public relations. And uh, you know that set into motion uh, a restructuring. I won't go into all the details, but uh, basically uh, what I told the publishers is that the content of JNS was very high quality. Um, and I felt it was being underserved because the uh, Jewish newspapers are sadly uh, losing subscribers uh, in communities and across the United States and their ad revenues are dropping and they're, they're really, they're really struggling. Um, and like most publications recognize that they have to pivot to become a strong digital outlet. And uh, so you know, I brought in a vision that JNS also should become a very strong digital outlet with be its own uh, destination website. And, and we redesigned the website and 
we're able to raise some money in order to uh, strengthen our bureaus here in Jerusalem and also in the United States. So you know, we've become the only Jewish media outlet that has a strong bureau both in Israel and in the United States, which put possession positions us well to be a bridge really between the two uh, largest communities of the Jewish people. And uh, since then, we've just continued to grow. The website's taken off. We went from about 30,000 uh, people a month coming to the website to over 500,000 people a month just coming to the website. Wow. And wow. then when you uh, when you multiply in out all of our syndication network, which is over 75 publications, uh, there's over 2 million people a month that are, are reading JNS content. And that's where we are today. And the we really want to become the largest, most impactful uh, Jewish media outlet, uh, you know, in the next several years. And the reason why we want to do that is because uh, we know that Israel's been on the wrong side of what I call a narrative warfare, uh, where you have you know, AP, we saw just in May, you know, they, they were operating in the same building in Gaza as Hamas operatives, which is why the idea destroyed that building, right? So the, in, in a sense, you know, we, we can understand that the rockets that Hamas fired at Israel could never destroy Israel. They're 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 just like small rockets, and each one is a deadly is a deadly force. But they can't destroy the state of Israel with those rockets, even if they fire four thousand. We're shooting them out of the sky with the Iron Dome. Um, but how do they try to destroy Israel? Because once they beat us to to attack back, now all of a sudden it's a it's a battle of diplomatic warfare. It's a battle of narrative warfare. Um, right. And so JNS exists really to, to become an accurate source of news about what's really happening in Israel without the uh, classic anti-Israel bias. And sadly, I would say that I think a lot of the Jewish media uh, today have become uh, either lazy, some of them, and others are taking a much more uh, progressive line. And sometimes they're not reporting the things that can be most helpful to the Jewish state. And uh, so they, we really try to project Israel as a, a strong military power in the region, an economic power, a technological power, a cyber power. Um, we try to project Israel as we think most Israelis think Israel is. And we just saw uh, this week that Israel became uh, snuck into the top 10 in the uh, global happiness. Index. I saw right? that. I so saw Israelis, that. Are, <laughs> Israelis are happy. Israelis are proud of Israel. And yeah. you know, it's become a mantra that... Uh, that, oh, you know, you can you can still support Israel and criticize Israel at the same time. Like Israel doesn't have to be a punching bag. Israel right. can be can be right and can be good. It's not always right and good. You know, we report things that aren't always pleasant, and not every part of the Jewish story is is pleasant. But uh, by and large, Israel is an incredible country and has lots to be proud of, and we try to protect that through our reporting. It's incredible. And I think what stuck out to me the most, though, what you're saying is really creating that bridge. Um, and there's something I want to touch on a little bit later, but but uh, I think that's that's the biggest focus right now because most of the negativity is coming from the outside, and so if we just try and feed information and feed information, well, we're kind of missing half the. It, half it doesn't the always come from the outside, right? Well, sometimes uh, you know, it does come from here. A, a lot of you know, I, I think you know that we always talk about uh, you know, why is it that Arabs can win the war on public relations, mm -hmm. and the reason is because they can always stay on message, right? And uh, oftentimes the message that they're pitching is the truth that they want to tell, which might not be aligned with the truth. But in Israel, you know, the, it's the old saying, you know, comes from, from the Talmudic teachings, right? That, you know, if you 
ask two Jews, you're going to get three opinions, right? Mm -hmm. So Israelis, we can never stay on message and we always fight about what the message is. And so if we're projecting multiple messages and over any conflict or over any difficult uh, subject matter, right? So the rest of the world can't understand, well, that's just Jewish culture. That's what we do. And that's how we actually get to the great solutions that we get to. That's that's part of our entrepreneurial spirit and, and what makes Judaism so great. But to other people, when they hear, you know, Jews are saying 10 different things about the same topic, what they think is, well, at least nine of them are lying, right? So you know, it becomes, sometimes it's it's our, it's our own flaws, you know, our own strengths are our own weaknesses. And uh, so a lot of times uh, you'll find that there are Jews that are parroting the same messaging as, as the enemies of Israel. Um, sometimes the, the bad ideas come from us. Right, right. No, and it's how to, how to tackle, exactly what you're doing, how to tackle that misinformation specifically. Like, as in, I think it's okay if there's differing opinions. Yes, then that means we have to do more, even more on the offensive, right? If they're coming at us with just well, this one message, but it's about saying, okay, we can have these varying opinions, making sure we're not disseminating misinformation and, and trying to, you know, essentially one big thing I'm trying to do here also with Arizona area in these conversations is how do you unite those voices, right? Because that's, that's the big thing that we're missing right now. So you have advocates, you have people, I'm talking about people that, that care that, you know, I actually have a quote here from an article you wrote, I think it was last May. And you said, Israel must do more to repair rifts with the American Jewish community and to fully activate those American Jews who stand proudly with the world's only Jewish state. And I think you have people like yourself who are sitting here writing articles, right, and disseminating to several million people. You have people that are writing on Instagram, on whatever, wherever they get their hands to just get information out there because they want to do something. But there's this disunification, and that's generally what harms us as a Jewish people and as a Jewish state. It's it's this this inability to say to, to really understand we all are fighting for the same thing we all want the same thing but we're just trying to do it a different way so I, I would even ask you just how how what's one piece of advice you could think of maybe um to how to how to create more unification around that right well first of all i think it's important to note you know we see that anti-Semitism, both soft anti-Semitism that you see on the internet uh, in discourse and political discourse and also the violent anti-Semitism uh, attacks on synagogues, on Jews and Jewish communities is on the exponential rise in the United States and around the world for that matter. Um, and anti-Semitism is a spiritual disease. Like it, it comes from the first the first beginnings of the Jewish nation that uh, people, the, the Egyptians, uh, when, when Joseph's brothers came to came to see him, they didn't yet know it was Joseph. Uh, and Joseph wanted to set a meal for them. It says the Egyptians wouldn't sit together with the Hebrews because it was abomination to them, right? Mm -hmm. So that's the that's the first time that you have a, a family, a clan of Israel, and already from that time it was an abomination for the Egyptians to sit with them, right? So anti-Semitism goes back all the way to the biblical roots of the Jewish people. Um, but I would say that uh, because it's a spiritual disease, ultimately, because there's, it's not logical, like why are people so upset about Jews historically, um, that there has to be a spiritual solution. I think that you're touching on it, that unity between the Jewish people is the solution to anti-Semitism, and disunity is the cause of anti-Semitism. And I think that's something that people don't, don't really appreciate. The good news is that anti-Semitism has the ability to bring Jews together, mm. right? So that's the silver lining of anti-Semitism, if there could be one. Um, and I think that your approach is, is the right approach. I think if people will just acknowledge uh, that, you know, we're, 
that the Jewish people are a people of 12 tribes of 12 different opinions. You know, that this person works on this, that person works on that, but, but we're family uh, and we love each other. Even if we don't always agree with each other, I think that that that's the first first step, you know, why should I be upset if you have a different opinion than me that I should expect that you have a different opinion of me. If, if I expect you to have the same opinion as me, um, you know, then the, yeah, I, I think that it, we're fooling ourselves. You know? So you just have to respect one another. I think that that's uh, one of the main things you look at the, you know, when you talk about being a bridge, you know, we feel here, and I, I say all the time, I say Israelis do not understand America. They don't understand American right. Jews. And American Jews, they really don't understand Israelis, uh, and they don't understand Israel. Um, and that's okay, right? How could they understand it if they don't spend time in the other place? How could they understand if they don't spend time with the other people? They're not discoursing with the other people. Um, but... You know, we can try to solve that. We can encourage people from America to come spend time here. You know, if you're a student, come on a gap year program on a year long experience. Yeah, I used to do that before I made Aliyah. This will recruit students uh, to come on these experiential programs. And a lot of Israelis also go to America after they serve in the army for six yeah. months or a year. You know, that's a great way also to uh, for Israelis to understand America. Um, but I, I think that I think that. Uh, you know, more than that, it's just to respect, you know, what, you know, Americans can respect what American Jews have built and American Jews can respect what Israelis have built over here. And you know, I think that's really the, the first step is just a mutual appreciation and respect, even if we don't understand one another. Okay. I don't understand you, but, but I, I appreciate you. Right. It's really, it's, it's creating that dialogue between us. It's creating, you know, and I think that's something that can happen even without bringing I mean, obviously, physically coming to a place is number one, but with COVID and, you know, all the things happening in the world, ever, you know, thank God we're past that to an extent. But we just see that sometimes it's not as easy to get around the common. Although I highly recommend Well, Zoom like, makes everything closer. I mean, that's one yeah. of the things that like, we, I found out during uh, COVID is that, you know, able to have meetings in real time with people. And uh, it's not the same. It's not as intimate, but uh, it it does give a certain degree of, of intimacy. Yeah. Um, and I think we should take advantage of that. Be able to just create that discourse and, and oh, conversation. Sorry about that. No problem. Um, so, I mean, one, one of the things I wanted to ask you, in addition to just this unification piece, is how to activate people more. Like, how do you, how do we get more people to say, you know, I want to do something. I can do. I, I can do something. I think a lot of people want it. They just don't feel like they can. As you know, social media, unfortunately. I, I really experienced and, and was super aware of this with the with the last war in May that. People were posting, they just felt like they were hitting a brick wall and hitting a brick wall. And I think it has to do with what you said earlier about how, right, we had maybe too many messages or too many things going out there. And you had this one very harsh message coming from the other side. So what are what are some ways that people can really engage in this space in a, in a proactive way? I think that's key, number one, not to wait for when times get extremely tough in a proactive way and, and in an effective way. Right. Uh, it's a good question. I think that there is something good just about activating yourself at any time. You know, if you're hitting a brick wall, keep hitting it, right? <laughs> it's uh, at some point that brick wall is going to break. So I, I don't see the problem with just getting started and, and just trying to hit wherever you think is the right place to hit. Um, at some point, you know, you'll figure out where's the right place to hit. Maybe you're hitting in the wrong spot at the beginning and you'll figure out a different way later. But so just first of all, keep hitting. It's, it's training, right? Before you get in a boxing ring, you know, to fight an opponent, you just got to punch and punch and punch and, and practice and practice. So, so 
you know, activate yourself. Wherever it seems like is the right place to start, start. There are so many Jewish organizations out there that are fighting for Israel and the Jewish people, both in Israel and the United States. You know, pick one that, that you know, makes sense to you or that you see is doing good stuff on social media or, you know, you've heard from a friend is doing good activity, try to get involved, right? You know, it doesn't, doesn't really matter where you start. The key thing is to start. And the second thing I would say is it's really important, and I think that you've done this uh, really well, is to just build Jewish pride, right? The, I think that today what people are looking for is something to, something authentic, something to be proud of, Right. Judaism is as authentic as it gets, right? It goes back thousands of years. It has survived every single test, you know, every single pogrom and you know, every tragedy and it has had so many trials and, and the, the Torah and the land of Israel have persevered and the people of Israel have persevered and there's just so much to be proud of. And even today, you know, Israel provides and the Jewish people provide so much to be proud of, um, and I think that more than anything, that's just what people are looking for. So you have something that's you've been carrying on your backs and your tradition for, for 3,000 years. And it's now time to just open the bag and see what's inside and to really embrace it. And I think if you do that, if you become proud, a proud Jew, first of all, that's the best thing that you can do to radiate to others and, and to recruit others onto the cause because that's what people are looking for. Um, and like I said, you will, you'll find the right place. Like I've seen in my life, you know, you just get positioned in the right spot. You might not know where that's going to be, you know, in a year from now. And, uh, you know, if you just keep pushing, I always say to people, you go push on different doors, mm. you know, keep punching at the wall and you'll find where the, where the loose brick in the wall is. You'll find that door that will open wide up that opportunity, uh, that will help you to, um, you know, really give of yourself before the Jewish people. That's not always in a Jewish organization. It can also be in commerce and business, other things, but uh, you know, I think just just be aware that there's a you're on a mission. Uh, if if you're aware that you're on a mission and you're aware that you can be repositioned as a soldier in that mission at any time, you'll you'll find yourself on the right battlefield. I like that a lot. I like yeah. Somebody once said to me said that if you're putting yourself out there, you're trying to do something, and you and you start to see things like you see a brick loosening, you see another brick loosening. You know you're on the right path. Like just keep keep following that. And uh, I mean, personally, with it with this whole endeavor, I I, I don't 100 percent know where where I see it going, but I know that there's something that that for many years has uh, been lit inside of me, and and there's reason to, to just try. And you really don't uh, yeah keep doing it. Don't have reason to. And, and you know we don't know how many people are going to listen to this podcast, but if one person listens to it and you inspire one person. Uh, you've done a lot. So a lot of times, you know, I've met people say, oh, you inspired me when you came to the college and you spoke about this. And right. it's like, oh, wow, that's, a, that's an amazing impact. Right, right. So I wanted to ask you, first, originally I was thinking, okay, your craziest uh, only in Israel moment, but also just given your work and space and what you do, you've also had a lot of, you've just met a lot of really interesting people. Um, and maybe you, we came in and you said you're usually used to being the one doing the interviewing. So maybe, I don't know, even just like the most interesting person you've interviewed or conversation you've had in, in maybe it's recent months or forever. I don't know what, what comes to mind. Yeah, sure. I'll give you just a, one, one great story. Um, you know, I did this documentary, uh, I guess it was just 11, 
we were working on 12 years ago. It was wow. called uh, Iranium, and it was about the, the dangers of uh, nuclear Iran, both to America and the West. Also touched on Israel a little bit. You know, so you, that just gives you an insight into how long we've known that this uh, nuclear Iran would be would be a danger. Yeah. Um, and at the time, the company that I was working for uh, really didn't have a lot of money, and we wanted to start on this documentary. Um, so what I was doing was just uh, cherry picking at conferences you know, that were dealing with defense and security and things like that. And uh, I had gone to a conference because I knew that uh, Professor Bernard Lewis was going to be there, who's one of the preeminent experts in uh, Islamic cultures and societies. Um, and while I was there, I said, well, you know, let me just see who else I can pick up to interview here. And uh, so there was one one guy said that he was a senior fellow at the Hudson Institute and he was a former uh, he was a former official in the uh, Defense Department in the United States. Instead. And I heard that he was talking a little bit about Iran. So so I started to I asked him if he would be willing to have an interview. He says, okay, I'm hungry, but uh, can I just have like a little homeless first? I said, sure. So I'm sitting with him eating homeless. He's asking me about me the whole time. And then uh, I said, well, I actually want to interview you. He said, yeah, but I want to know who's interviewing me, right? And uh, so this was, his name is Harold Rode. And um, not only was he an expert on, on Iranian culture, because he had been in Iran uh, during the revolution as a student. Uh, wow. He was traveling abroad. He'd been in Egypt. He'd been in Afghanistan. He'd been in Iran. He speaks like seven different languages, uh, you know, Turkish, Arabic, Hebrew. Um, and... Uh, from that interview that we did, we just became, you know, the closest of friends, and uh, I got into this whole circle of uh, influencers uh, in the Jewish people, who are just some incredible, incredible people uh, that have just been dedicating their whole lives to the Jewish people, and he's just become like a member of our family over the years. So Harold, you know, wow, uh, you're probably the most interesting person I've ever interviewed uh, in that sense. So you know, that's uh, that's my friend and my mentor, Harold Brooke. Wow. I think that's the coolest thing, especially for me that I've experienced is like people really want to open doors for you. Like you were talking about, like trying to, like people really do want to help you and want to, and that's the, that's the beautiful thing about the Jewish world. And, 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 you know, when it comes to speaking about Israel and, and we say, okay, we feel so united because maybe we have so many different ideas and things flying around, but at the end of the day, everyone does want to unite. Everybody does want to come together because we understand there's, there's a, there's a connection that's beyond words, beyond Beyond what uh, I think we intellectually understand, right. so and that's also to, like you said to pay, just pay it forward, right? Right. As, uh, people do th- kindnesses for you, and what do they expect? They expect that you do the same for other people later. Right. Don't be selfish, right? It's, uh, you know, one one of the things that, that I've learned here, you know, as in a Jewish organization, is so you have to fundraise in order okay. to be successful because. The, the, to, sadly, you know, money is still the the fuel that funds. Uh, one's operations, right? And uh, so anytime somebody is starting a project and, uh, you know, if I think I have, I know somebody that would be interested in funding that project, you know, even if they're funding my project or especially they're funding my project, I'll tell that person or I'll try to make an introduction there, you know, and I think that it's, that's something that you don't see too often in the Jewish world because everybody's protective of their the little things that they built and the, the donors that they have. And, and I say, no, donors want to fund good, you know, good, uh, good initiatives and good organizations. And they're all, 
the reason why they're donors is because they're really smart people and they can decide for themselves if they want to fund something or not. Right. right? So, you know, just pay that forward, make the connections and uh, see, let the chips fall where they fall. Yeah. I think that that's a something that oh, I, I come a little bit from a fundraising background and uh, that was something that was very hard for me. This feeling of like stepping on people's toes. And I always, I, I couldn't wrap my head around it because to me it was like, we're all Jews. We're all trying to do a thing. We're trying, we're, we're going towards the same purpose, the same goal. And, you know, believe in the higher power, whatever it is, like he wants, he wants good ultimately. And so he's not going to, because you speak to this person or that, I can, I can go on a tangent about this for a while, but that, that's something that always ate at me because at the end of the day, like if the intention is pure, if the intention is right, if you yeah. want to do a good thing. But don't let it eat at you either. Right? Yeah. No, it's the, not healthy. It's the human. It's the human nature, and so yeah. when something happens according to the human nature, you can say, "Oh, I expected that," because that's according to the human nature. But at the same time, you have the ability to be an example to other people, right? And so, by being an example, that's really how you influence people. When you get frustrated and you forget frustration, I'm not saying you do that, but no, 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 no. If somebody, I, I hear it. Yeah, if hear somebody it. does that, I, I don't know. But if somebody, you know, asking for a friend. Yeah. So, exactly. Got you. Got you. Yeah. <laughs> No, no, a hundred percent, hundred percent. I just, I want to ask you one more thing, just in particular about Israel, in terms of your work and what you see, and maybe something that a lot of people deal with. What, what would you say is one of the larger misconceptions that people hold about about Israel? Um, and I would say, honestly, namely Jews hold um, larger misconceptions about about about, Jews, about right? Israel, about Israel, about yeah. Yeah, that's such a such a tough question right Israel it, it's so hard to define Israel I think that that's uh, that's one of the things you know it's uh, for for every person in Israel the experience is totally different right uh, you know, for Americans living in Israel that's completely different than Sparty Jews living in Ramla or Lod. it's totally right. different than than Israeli Arabs living in Eastern Jerusalem or Akko or Haifa there's so many different Climate zones in Israel. There's so many different. Yeah, I'm still trying stuff. to go skiing up north. I yeah, go, go, on that. go fast. It's, <laughs> it's been cold this week. I know. Uh, I know. So now's like the, the time to go. Right. The, like said, Israel is not the same thing for any two people. I, I promise that. And, uh, and and being a Jew is not the same thing for any any two people. And so don't don't judge Israel by one group. Don't judge Judaism by one person. Um, you have to experience it and the beauty of it is that you can make it for yourself what you want it to be so i think that that's that's always a misconception is you know that people get one vision or perspective of israel from one person or from one event that's not what israel is that's a that's a small piece of what makes israel israel so you lead me perfectly to what i, what I like to close off with which is what is what what is your vantage of Israel? One phrase or word that comes to mind when, when you think of Israel, what it means to you? Well, it might be hard for a lot of people to to understand this, you know, especially like I've been in the world of news and real politique. Uh, but you know, the one word to me like describes Israel is is holy, right? You know, mm-hmm. you think of Israel, you think of God, you know, for whatever reason. But this is a uh, you know, it says in Sacred Devarim and what's the word? Uh, Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy. Yeah. Deuteronomy. Yeah. 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 Yeah.
Uh, I believe that that's true, right? It might be hard for people to see that, but like I said before, you know, the the land has persevered, uh, and you just people have returned to that land, and I think that that's part of God's purpose. Um, the Torah of Israel is, is so holy. You know, I think today, like uh, NFTs and things like that, I think the Torah is the original NFT. Right? That's an idea that I've been just wow. thinking about now. On, yeah, I'm so going to have to sit with that for a minute. Idea letter by letter copied exactly it's like a, a code that's uh wow. just persisted over thousands of years um and uh you know i i don't have to understand god's purpose you know i think that was one of the things that i felt um, in 2019 i had the tremendous honor of um, hosting the the live video coverage of the march of the living from uh, auschwitz birkenau that's my first time there. And, you know, my father's parents were Holocaust survivors who, you know, lived in Poland. Um, and, you know, the, the two things that I felt this is like very personal now, very personal is that uh, first is that I felt that, that God's hand was like on that place in a, in a way that you don't feel in many other places. You know, maybe you feel that at the Western Wall or in other places. And I felt it there. And I also felt like the place was familiar to me. Um, it's, just, wow. it's kind of like a, a deep, deep concept, and I, I don't know what that means. You know? <laughs> I don't know if we have time to yeah. unpack that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we have to deal with I have that a book with recommendation with a therapist or whatever. But, uh, <laughs> I have a book recommendation for that one, but yeah. But um, yeah, so yeah, I think that uh, for whatever reason, you know, God had to do what He did. We don't have to understand why, um, but to know that that. Nothing stirs in the world, uh, you know, without God's hand. I think it's it's very important to understand it, and that's that is really the roots of Judaism. You know, it's just to to, to know that, that God is the creator and sustainer of the world always. It's incredibly put, and I think um, as for me, I mean, I've only been living here now a little over a year, but coming God many times in my life, and that you see it here the most, and you feel it here the most, and. Uh, and I think it's hard to walk around here without that mentality. Right. But um, it doesn't mean, by the way, that you're absolved from any responsibility. No, right? no. It's that, right? Even more, you have exactly. more responsibility because right. you see it more and you feel it. Yeah, more. exactly. Right. That's like one thing. Like on the one hand, it's uh, okay. Well, I don't understand what's going on. It must be God, right? So I can just sit back and watch. No, you can't watch. You have to be an active player in the story always. Yeah. Right. That's part of the. As part of the lessons that uh, of the Book of Esther that we just read this past week, is that uh, you know, the Jewish people they were on the verge of annihilation, and somehow or another, by chance, whatever it might be, that uh, Esther becomes the, the queen, and and Mordecai's uncle says, you, know, you have to go in and save the Jewish people at this time. You know, that there's a reason why you're sitting in that chair at this moment, and if you don't step up and do what you need to do, so salvation will come. It'll, come from another place you know and so esther did what she had to do and i think that everybody has to be a mordecai and everybody has to be an esther in the story and uh, we don't know how the story is going to play out but but be active uh do your part and good things will happen god will and if not you know that that's part of the plan too right i, I don't know what to say about it but uh you know it's uh better to go down trying <laughs> uh, i think i think my, my main takeaway here is, is, is just that try, try, start, start tapping at bricks, start trying to open doors and, and things will open and keep your eyes open, keep your ears open and, and make those connections. And, you know, 
uh, exactly that. We can only be in, in here and today and take it every day, step by step, and, and see where the story continues to unfold. Keep doing what so, you're doing. Keep uh, interviewing uh, the most incredible people you can interview. And keep well, inspiring. Thank, thank you for coming on and uh, being one of those. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for, being, for coming on and uh, being one of those incredible people. And uh, excited to see where JNS goes. And, uh, yeah, thank you, Alex. Thanks so much.